Hello, everyone, and welcome to another another edition of the Canadian Premier League.ca Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack on the last Monday in August 2021. On this week's show, I'm joined by my usual newsroom team to break down the weekend that was in the Canadian Premier League. And what a weekend. That's right, 17 goals across four matches. And, of course, we will preview Canada versus Honduras this Thursday. What a week it is for Canadian soccer. Canada begin their journey to Qatar in the final round of qualifying. We're all very excited. We're going to be all over it. This will be your home for content for Canada. We're going to have previews. We're going to have beyond the pitch interviews with all the players. We're going to have analysis. We're going to have interviews with players. We're going to hear from John Herman. This will be your place on our very own site here where you can get everything and more ahead of three enormous games for Canada in the World Cup qualifiers during this international window. Gentlemen, great to see you. Good morning. Uh, the opening question of the show, if the story of this Canada team so far were to be summed up right now in a montage where you needed to pick the song for the background, what song would you sum up where we are right now for this Canadian men's national team? Marty Thompson, let's start with you. Good morning. Oh, see, so yeah, see, so yeah, I thought about, I thought everything I'd pick would be embarrassing. So I went with the one week by the bare naked ladies. They've got oh, one week to Ken show Kong. us. Love it. Yeah, of course. They're, they've got one week to really wow us, right? This is an important week. Uh, the song features uh, Birchmount Stadium. Is that right? Nice. Is that right, Charlie? This, Home of the this Robbie. Is your, this is your yeah. neighborhood. Home of the Robbie. And I'm sure many players have played there, including, I was just like listening to Richie Larea, um, the behind the, or beyond the pitch, rather, that uh, that Christian and I will be posting later. And yeah, he, he talks about playing with a lot of players in Toronto. I'm sure he played there. Uh, there's lots of good GanCon. And also, I would just like to see like the Kyle Laren goals from earlier in this, uh, this, this cycle, just with some scatting over it. By the, it'd be but, super funny. I love that answer. By the way, there are no <laughs> wrong answers here. No embarrassing answers. <laughs> this is all wide open. You're in friendly space here, and I love anything. Uh, Charlie O'Connor Clock, good morning. What's your what's your choice? Yeah, I knew Marty was going to do CanCon, um, and I nearly did You're as well. I, 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 I thought a lot. I'm not, I'm not going with Oasis, though. I, I thought a lot about it. I'm going with My Generation by The Who. I think, wow. that, I think that fits. You know, you got a, a young generation of Canadian players coming through. They're all sort of around the same sort of sort of level and, and it's just a lot of fun and i think i think that's the right kind of energy for this group i love it i love it brady reed good morning what's your choice yeah uh i thought i put a lot of thought into this until i heard marty's answer but uh, that's okay <laughs> he's, he's a very prepared guy so he sets a high standard um I actually went with Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. I think it speaks for itself. The rest is still unwritten. You look at this group, and they're a young group. They've got a long future ahead of them, and it's also just a great song. So that's a that. great song. I love this. This has gone in exactly the direction that I wanted to do, where it was all about Canada, but it tells me more about you guys than anything else. Uh, Benedict Rhodes, yeah, four for four here. Let's go with another slam dunk. Yeah, I considered everything from like Abbott. Drake for this one, but I ended up going with Don't Stop Me Now. Queen? Don't Stop Me Now. Sorry, you actually stopped talking when we broke up as you said, Don't Stop Me Now. But that's okay. Yeah, that was very funny. That was actually quite, <laughs> that, quite a apropos as well. Uh, yeah. Don't Stop Me Now. All right, good one. Yeah, that's, a, like that, that. that's a great one as well. All right, uh, for what it's worth, I went with In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Oh. Why not? I hate Phil Collins. But listen to that song, Charlie, and tell me why you could. It couldn't be a message to Conquer Cat. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. That, yeah, right. It's all right. been a pack of lies. Wipe that off your grin. Whatever he says, I don't know what he says. Hold then, on. Imagine you can feel it coming in the air, and imagine right now, just before we're about to kick off, 
You do that montage, and then the big drum thing comes in. Here we go. The final round. That's yeah, the song yeah. for me. So let's bring That's it on. Right. We're all excited. Marty, you said hold on. You wanted to speak about something? No, no. I was just saying just hold on. Like this, how he just repeats that. Like, yeah. let's go. It's That's right. We'll all right. hear that at BMO Field uh, this week before let's, they come out on the pitch. Hopefully, BMO Field is listening to this right now, and they can put all five of those songs on their playlist ahead of the game, <laughs> uh, the kickoff on, on Thursday. Uh, probably won't, but that'd be nice. Uh, anyway, let's get into this. We'll get into the Canadian Premier League action shortly, but Canada have announced their squad. Most of the players are in Toronto. Uh, others like Jonathan David flying in today. Lots of people coming in the last minute have uh, been played on the weekend. Uh, any surprises in the squad? Let's get into our best 11 in a second. But a 23-man squad has been announced by John Herdman. Gentlemen, um, Charlie, any surprises there? And boy, oh boy, the strength of this squad when it came out was there to be seen. Yeah, this is just an absurdly strong squad. Um, there aren't a whole lot of surprises. I think maybe it's actually a slightly smaller squad than some of the other teams have taken. I think the U.S. has about three more players on their roster, and I'm, I'm sure Canada will have... Some guys just in in at training and need able to fill in if needed, but um, right. I mean, maybe maybe the biggest surprise was that Lucas Cavallini is apparently able to at least be named to the roster because I know he was injured fairly recently in Vancouver. Um, but you know, John Herdman said the other day that he thinks that he's going to be okay to maybe come in and play some kind of role. We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but um, he's maybe a little bit farther along in that rehab than we thought. Yeah, and Cavallini is a great personality as well. And I think he deserved to be involved. If he could play a little bit, then get him in. To your point yeah. about not having many players, as many players in there, I think they like to engage as many players as they possibly can. They don't want mm -hmm. too many players not being involved in things. And as you said, there's always an opportunity to pull to bring up other players getting involved in that as well. Uh, Brady, what is your level of excitement for this as we pump the tires here for Canada this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's as high as it's ever been. After curating that playlist, it's higher than it was before this. So I think <laughs> sit down, listen to those five songs. You've got 15 minutes before Thursday next game, and you're just going to be at the absolute peak. That's right. We're going to try and pick our best 11 shortly. Uh, some of us will be at the game on Thursday. Some of us will be covering it. Uh, Benedict, your level of excitement. Pretty fair to say this is the uh, most talented group of Canadian players that have come together, uh, potentially ever for a World Cup qualifying cycle like this. Yeah, I'm very excited. I, th I think it is the best Canadian roster ever for World Cup qualifying. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be there on Thursday. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I think this is this is maybe Canada's time to finally get over the hump, but I think it all starts – you need a good start to, to be able to do that, and I think Honduras at home – it's exactly that sort of game you want to win. <laughs> Marty, you and I are working on a project this week where we'll be releasing one per day. I've done interviews with at least seven, potentially eight Canadian players in this squad. Every day we'll be announcing that interview from our Beyond the Pitch series. What is evident, Marty, more than anything else from these interviews is the belief from these players. There is no hopeful we might make it to Qatar. There is a real direct message sent between each one of them. They look in their eyes that they believe they will make it. And that is a massive difference to the storyline that we've had around Canadian soccer with the men's team in the past. And if you check these interviews, the other big theme is just the cohesion in the group, right? Like I think you touched on it, Christian. It it's, feels like whenever you talk to a player, that like they're going... Uh, not that they're going on vacation, but they're just going to go hang out with their buddies for a couple of days. Yeah. Which is like something that we haven't really seen with Canada um, in a long time, frankly, in our lifetime, at least. So yeah, I mean, th that and the cohesion, it just seems like, it just seems like all the positive momentum is, is going towards, going towards Honduras.
Yeah, it's exciting. Really exciting. And Thursday night, if you've got your ticket, we'll see you there. If not, watch the game on One Soccer. And of course, get your content at campiel.ca. Let's get into there at best 11. Uh, we're going to put together our best combined 11. We are now in the uh, boardroom. We are told we have to come up with our best 11. Let's try and pick it. Uh, from back to front, anybody believe here that Milan Boyan will not start the game? No. Nope, that's got to be right. the pick. So Milan's in net, and thanks to Maxime Cropo for your service and a wonderful job that you did at the Gold Cup, and he's a great backup, but Milan Boyan will play in net. Are we playing a back four, or are we going with a back three? Uh, it's got to be three or four. What do you think? I really like the three. Three? I like the three a lot. Let's three. do three. Let's three. Do three. Yeah. Right, let's do the three. Anybody not want Alistair Johnston in the three? He has to play, no, right? He's there. Yeah, he's, he's got to be there. All right. right side of it. Right side of it. Anybody not want Kamal Miller on the left? Are we playing 100%. Kamal Miller? What do you think? I'm in with Kamal Miller. Got to be there. Kamal Miller there. was one of their best sure, players yeah. at the Gold Cup. Yeah. All right. Center defense. Victoria <laughs> or Henry? Or Scott Kennedy? Well, Scott, Scott Kennedy. Kennedy. Scott Kennedy. I think Kennedy is more of a battle for Kamal. Maybe, and yeah. Kennedy is a very good left-sided player. But based on your performance that you said about Kamal, the Gold Cup probably gets the edge over Kennedy, who's, who's great. To, it's great to have him back, by the way. Um, what do we think about the central area? Do we want Victoria or do we want Henry? I'm voting Victoria on this one. Yeah, I Victoria. think when you've got the back three, you know, I, I know, I know, Henry's a little bit more athletic and can cover more ground. But when you've got the back three, I think there's a little bit more cover for mm -hmm. someone like Victoria, who's maybe a little bit. Steadier, he doesn't really put your heart in your mouth as much as Daniil maybe does. Right, right. <laughs> so I think that might be where I would lean, but you know, either would be, it it wouldn't surprise me to see either. And I'm sure both will play in this window. Brady's not in his head. Benedict, you're not in your head as well. Vote for Victoria. Yeah, it has to be Victoria, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. What I also like about Daniil is that like he's he's accepted this role pretty well, and we've seen many games now where they throw both of them on. Like near the end yeah, of the yeah. game, when you're winning a game or whatever, you put him on as well, and you can kind of push one of the fullbacks out and make it a four. Or there's a lot of tactical versatility with the squad. We, we we know that, and that's a massive sign for them. That's our back three. Um, anybody not playing Alfonso Davies at left wing back <laughs> in this system? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It, I, I just wondered if anybody wanted to play Sam Adekubi and play Fonzie further forward more than anything else. I know he's in the no, team, but it, no. no. Okay, no. so Fonzie's playing left wing back. Okay, right wing back is an enormous decision, gentlemen. You've put it down to this. Uh, do you want to play Tejon Buchanan or do you want to play Richie Lorea at right wing back? This is the tough wow. one. This is yeah. the really tough pick. And I was, I was kind of looking at my sort of personal 11 here a few minutes before we started recording and the more I think about it, the more that you really, I think you need Tejon Buchanan on the pitch. I think he's in much better form than Larea at the moment, right? And you know, I, I, it's a really tough decision because because Richie's been very good at the international level, and he's got that little bit of an edge, you know, that really helps out in these Concacaf games. But Buchanan has really shown a lot for this team over the last couple of months. Now, you can play Buchanan as well as Larea further forward, depending on how we want to set this up. But it, it probably is unlikely that they're both yeah. going to play in, that yeah. in, in the way that this team's lining up with a back three. Uh, yeah. One vote for Buchanan from Charlie. Marty, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think, I think Buchanan does have to play. Ultimately, I would, I think I would personally prefer Larea, uh, especially in the game against Honduras, like maybe just to sort of make sure to keep a little bit more defensive solidity just in case, uh, and then see how things go. But that's a good yeah. point. That's a good but, point. Yeah. But, but I think, 
but it's how can you not pick Buchanan? That how can you not? I, I think I got to with Buchanan. Brady. Yeah, it's it's really difficult after the goal cup he just had. But again, personally, I think I would rather have Lorea in that position. And it's the thing about Buchanan is like you can bring him with a half hour left, and you could bring him there. You could bring him in the ten. You could bring him up top. He's very versatile. He's very direct. He, he's a little bit different than almost any other player they have on that right side. So I think he's just an absolute super sub. And I feel terrible for leaving him out because he was unbelievable in the Gold Cup. But I just really like that combination of Richie and Alfonso at the wing back. What about you, Benedict? Do we have him? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I think Tejan Buchanan is probably undroppable from this team. But I also do like Chaos. So I'm going to say Richie Larea. So I'll put you on the spot to break the tiebreaker here. Oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, I, I'm i voting for Richie Larea. I think he has to play. I think Marty um, might have sold me, to be honest. I think he has to play. And, I, you know, for me, Tejon Buchanan is a player we can put somewhere else in the team maybe as we go along, but I, I'm, I think can, can come on, make a difference. I think defensively, when you're at home, I Buchanan hasn't played a ton of fullback, although when he has, he's done a great job of it. And I just think Buchanan and Davies bombing up, as much as that sounds fantastic on Championship Manager on the pitch, I just want to make sure that it's okay. You know, they're not playing Aruba here. They're playing Honduras. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with Richie just to get the nod over him. Um, double pivot midfield. Are we anybody against uh, Mark Anthony K, Stefano Sacchio? Has to play, right? That's what Absolutely I've Absolutely not. Yep. All right, that's perfect. Right. Maybe so, the best midfield in Concacaf. So, <laughs> wow. Okay, there we go. So now we got our double pivot. Now, what do we do going forward with our three? Do we line them up as a three? Do we have a box two with a one? This is important because this is how a lot of the teams have played with Canada. Is that box? And in that box, they've had players there playing. But you could play Buchanan. You could play Hoylet. You could play Azorio. You could play Wotherspoon. Um, you know, Jonathan David is playing in this team, right? Yeah. So we're right, we're writing him down already. Yes, guys. Yeah. David is yeah, yeah. David is one of these players, right? Laren, how are we gonna get him in him in? So if, if Jonathan David is playing, and let's just for this example play him as a nine, where are the other two players playing and how and who is getting in? I'll do my cell job on you and see whether you agree with it, and then you guys sure. can put votes as well. I'm playing Kyle Laren and Jonathan Azorio. That's who I'm playing. I'm playing them as a, a, the top of a box. Azorio, for me, it has to play in this game. The tactical versatility he brings, stretching of the field. Wotherspoon is very close to being able to play in that position as well for me. I just want an extra midfielder that has the ability to switch it up sometimes, to go into a three whenever they need to, can come deeper, but can stretch the field. Laren can come there, work really well with David. They can interact as well. That's my choice. But then I'm leaving out players like Hoyler, who I think strikes the ball better than any Canadian player. You know, I understand that's not an easy play at the position to let, to leave out, and there are many others. But they the, they're the two for me. Uh, you might want to put more forward, Marty. Uh, I can see you're not sure about this. Pour one out for Junior Hoyler. That's yeah. cruel. That's yeah. so cruel. I, but yeah, I, I I see exactly what you mean. I don't know. I think that is the best way to go about it. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah, I I know we are talking about the Honduras game, and I think that might be the way to go. I yeah. think in, in some of these CONCACAF games, like maybe even the one in the United States, I, I don't really want to forget about Atiba Hutchinson as a third man in midfield. I if know. you do want a little bit 
you know, more cover there and some more bodies there against a team that will try and beat you there. But uh, yeah, I think for these home games, I think Azorio definitely needs to be there. And then, yeah, it's it's Kyle Aaron and Jonathan David. And I don't think there's really able to be that much question. I know there are so many players on this team that could play and, you know, probably will, especially off the bench. But as much as we love Junior Hoylet, he's not as good as Kyle Aaron or Jonathan David, right? Yeah, I, I want to get to Atiba in a second. That was my next point. But let's just figure out these two here and then we'll work on that. Benedict, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with exactly that. I think I think uh, Laren and Osorio both probably need to start this game. Brady? Yeah, I like that. I think also, you know, he can play the 10, but he's got that versatility to be an 8 when you need to shut down. So I think, again, at BMO, yeah, also has got to play. Okay, so we've left Junior Hoyle out, we've left Tejan Buchanan out, and we've left Atiba Hutchinson out. Yeah. This is where we're at in 2021, guys. You know, fire up that Phil Collins song again. Uh, <laughs> this is where we're at. Like, are we comfortable leaving Atiba Hutchinson out of this game? Like, and if he plays, who does he play instead of? Right? This is the final Someone question. Someone in really. midfield, I guess. Like Mark either, Anthony Kay? Maybe Mark Anthony Kay, yeah. I mean, he should, he should play like this that. game. He should play this game, yeah. no? Can like, we get special dispensation to play 12 players? I think we should play 12 players. We can actually show up if they'll let, let that happen. But I don't yeah. Know. Might not you never fly. know. You yeah. know. Like, yeah. what do we do here? Are we playing Mark Anthony K because he had such a good relationship with Estacchio and deserves his spot with Atiba missing out? And then there's rotation to come, by the way. As yeah. John yeah. Herman said, not everybody's playing 90 minutes for every game. Like, you know, Atiba Hutchinson, Sam Piet sounds pretty good against the U.S. Yeah. I mean... I mean, what well, are you playing? Think? You're playing these three incredibly intense games in what about a week? Eight, yeah, eight days. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I think all of these players are probably going to see the pitch. Right. I just I think back to was it that Gold Cup game against the U.S. where you know they were miss? I think they didn't start Eustachio or or K, and they were really really missing that. Yeah, in the midfield, there was just no real creativity or or ability to maybe break through the lines and play those passes and in between that that midfield. And I don't think you can afford to take either player out right. of a, of a yeah. starting eleven at the moment. So yeah. it's yeah, tough. These I I don't envy John Herdman's uh, John Herdman's task here of picking this team no. because it's very difficult. It is tough. I I agree with you. I mean, they could play a four. They could play a four this week too, but they could certainly play a four against the U.S. They've gone to four in in, in number of these games and look really good. All right, mm. I think we've done it. And, you know, apologies to many players who could have been on that, but that's our, our 11. Let us know uh, what you think of that. And uh, good luck picking your own 11 as well, by the way, um, in this uh, final shout for this. Um, lots of talk on social media. I think Kurt Larson started this as well. I wrote about this when they got there. What's it going to take for them to make it to Qatar? Um, I did a little bit of work on this. I'll tweet this out again. Um Looking at past qualification processes that have been close to this, where it's just featured 14 games in five international windows, the best way to look at this is that I use basically examples from CONCACAF in the past and Common Ball, where they play you know, 18 or 16 matches in that. Looking at the average points for those cycles when you take it away for, for those games, first place, it could, I think, will probably be around 29 points. Second, I've got 25.4 third 22.7 uh when you look at the average of the of these teams so i think 20 to fourth at 20 so somewhere between 20 and 24 points uh i think could get them to qatar and i mean john herdman's talking about trying to get 21 at home uh so hey <laughs> I, I, you know i think the, the final point on this guys is that we are pointing this out to be 
a genuine possibility. No, like yeah. I know Canada yeah. soccer has broken many people's hearts many times before, and we may well be, but we have to be prepared for that. Um, but this feels good to be on this side of confidence for a while, Charlie. It really does. And, you know, I, I try not to get ahead of myself and think about this because it has gone so wrong so many times, but I look at, you know, the schedule, I look at the players on this Canada roster and I look at the teams that they're going to have to beat, and I would take Canada's roster over a lot of them. Yeah. Right. And obviously, you know, the the regularness is that this team hasn't necessarily been tested too many times. And you know, going down to Honduras or El Salvador or these kinds of countries where you know you can be a much better team on paper, but it's so difficult to play there, and it's really hard to expect any kind of result in those kinds of places. So we still have to wait to see how they can how they can contend with that, but. Yeah, it's hard not to be optimistic at the moment. And I do think they probably will be now playing in front of fans at the Azteca after Mexico get their suspended ban halved. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm not happy about the ban, but I will say some players I think are happy that they're playing in front of fans. I think even Canadian players are happy about that rather than a cavernous stadium. People would say that's crazy. You think you're giving them more of an advantage, but I think, I mean, players just want to play in those moments and those environments to make it um, a little bit more hostile. All right, let's recap the weekend that was in the Canadian Premier League. I alluded to it, 17 goals across four games. So we were talking before we came on air about that one week in the bubble where we broke down four games that ended nil-nil, nil-nil, one-nil with a penalty and one-nil with a penalty. We've come a long way, gentlemen. We've come a long way here at the end of August. And these were really barn burners. This has been the most exciting, I think, weekend since the Canadian Premier League kicked off in terms of wide open affairs. And we start with Forge against York on Saturday afternoon, which in the end seemed to be a pretty comprehensive victory for Forge, who scores seven goals in two games and finally wake up their offense. But York were in this. Petrasso had a great chance at 1-1. Benedict, you were our man covering this game. Um, your overall thoughts on the performance by Forge and York giving them a little bit of a go? Yeah, I think uh, wide open was a good way of describing it. Like It was very end-to-end. There's a lot of counter-attacking football in this game, and uh, I think that suited both teams quite well. I think uh, in the end, I think both teams have difference makers who can win the ball back in midfield and then instantly go back up the pitch. And I think that was on full display, I think. York don't fear Forge. That's the feeling I get. You know, they, they beat them last time they were there. They're comfortable with them. They lost the home opener against them, but that was a really close game. They lost the tour in that game and outplayed them in the second half. It is clear that Forge have one more talent and two more experience at this point. Uh, but a bit about the York mindset here, obviously with a terrific goal, just going out there and giving it their best it says a lot about this this team right now. We're still in a playoff hunt. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I don't think they fear anybody at the moment, even, even the teams at the very top. I think it's just a team that believes in their ability and believes in their young players and, and their young players have been stepping up. And uh, both coaches spoke about, in this, about ahead of this game about how whichever team takes their chances is going to be the one who comes away with the points. And uh, as, as you saw in the past games, when, when York went into Hamilton and won one nil, and uh, I think Ford took the better opportunity of their chances and, and were rewarded, but uh, that ultimately was the difference. So what are Forge Benedict? What are they now? As I wrote midweek when I went to the game, wherever they score, the Panoy man shouts, who are we? Three times. Uh, <laughs> so I actually asked uh, Bobby Smirniotis after that game, who are we? Who are Forge at that moment? And he said they were a team rounding into form, but obviously we're looking at the next game. This has been a pretty big week for them. You know, they've got a lot of things thrown at them. You look at the standings, things are going well, and they get seven goals. Uh, your overall th- thoughts on them, and is it Tristan Borges' time again now? 
I think so. I think he, he's looked pretty good in the last couple of games, and um, if, if he can keep that up, he'll, he'll definitely, I think, return to that form in 2019 that got him a move overseas and, and sort of won the hearts, I guess, of Canadian fans. And uh, on Forge as a whole, I think they they seem to just be able to get things done at the moment. Like, no matter who it comes from, like, Mubin's Passius, or Passius, sorry, pronounce it. Um, he's, he's been the best player in the CPL over the past week, and mm. maybe we didn't expect that. So they're kind of just getting things done, and, and that's the sign of a champion. It seems like a team that suddenly you want to play as a number nine for, right? I think previously to this week, there was a lot of build-up play, a lot of things where you go, oh, this is comfortable, this is well, and spread the field out well, and Cissé and Becker, tremendous midfield, and Nashione Jonsson's dropped back in a three, and you know they get their full-backs going, and Grant and Awuah spending the balls in, but it all kind of broke down prior to that, and then suddenly, second half, the dam burst open on the, in midweek. I know I was there, Charlie, I think you covered the game. It seems like Passius has come along at the right time for this team to have that final third attack, that thrust that's been missing a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think it, it wouldn't be much of a secret that we didn't know a lot about Wubens Passius <laughs> until, you know, re- probably really, really this last week, because I think he signed for the club in early August and maybe played a couple times off the bench. I think he played one of those games in, in El Salvador off the bench, actually. But yeah, he he really seems to have that kind of striker's instinct to just sort of know where to be in the balls. I think, yeah, it was that, that Wednesday match against Atletico Ottawa where they're, they're not necessarily, you know, huge, like, dazzling runs that he makes. They're not really ridiculous finishes. He's just in the right place. I think the first one was when he slid through and just tipped his foot on the end of that Awuah cross, which was just perfect placement. And I think the second one was a very good run by himself to finish just finish like a striker i know he's a young guy who you know probably was a little bit uncomfortable coming into this team that's been together so long he's lived in montreal played in montreal i think his whole life and he said this after the game on wednesday you know uh english isn't even his first language he's really trying to get acclimatized to his team and maybe the best way to do that is just to play and to get to know these guys and it's it's really starting to come along quite quickly yeah, forged now second in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, don't look now, here they come, by the way. <laughs> Lots of talk about what was wrong with Forge. Uh, lost one in the last six, 25 points from 14 games, eight wins, one draw, five losses, and now 20 goals through 14 games. Uh, impressive from them. Let's go to the triple header on Sunday. Uh, Atletico Ottawa 2, Halifax Wanderers 2, uh, this was a wow, this was a game all by itself that you could write headlines on for weeks. Um, Marty, thankfully, we had you on this, which is perfect because you know, you know, a good story. Uh, where do you start here when you sum up this kind of match? Wow, that is a great question. Um, I mean, I think, I think that I think the referee decisions have to have to come. Have to come to the forefront in this. Obviously, the two penalties. Um, you could argue if if they even were penalties, considering where the contact was made. Then, of course, the red card to Ryan Telfer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the antics after as well, mm-hmm. uh, and and ultimately some of the uh, disciplinary actions that'll happen after that. That's really how the game was defined. Both teams looked quite good. I think I think Halifax played quite well, but again, for the third match in a row, they're finishing up their Ontario road trip. Just missing that that final touch, that 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 final, really the finishing uh, touch, really. And then in terms of Ottawa, I thought they played well. They played well down a man too. I I, I really uh, commend this team, and so did Mista after the game to say, hey, they they really dug down. And even when Ryan Telfer, arguably their best player in the first half, got sent off, you know they didn't stop fighting, and they did get that equalizer late through through Malcolm Shaw. 
Yeah, and it's interesting to see that they <laughs> chaos seems to follow them around. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Mister was almost pouring his heart out to Charlie and I in the media on Wednesday night about how many times are they going to give away penalties in the box and we've worked a lot on composure and just making the right decisions and then boom, game starts, another penalty. It's just like, you know, who'd be a coach, right? I mean, you know he's worked on that all week. And then the poor guy's going grayer and grayer as he just sits there and just gets more and more frustrated with more random defenders giving it away. I felt for him a little bit, uh, you know, in that moment. But to be fair, they did find a way to dig deep and they did find a way to come back in the game. And that says a lot about them as well, Marty. I mean, was that the overall thoughts from him after the game? Was it like, I guess we'll get to Stephen Hart in a second. It was two points shot for them, but I guess a yeah. point gained for Ottawa considering Telfer left them in it a little bit. And Meester revealed after the game that they had uh, a team medical professional came in and suggested that they needed to rest a couple players at the last minute. So yeah. they're missing Milovan Kabor, Dylan Powley, and Nett. You know, they ended up playing. Uh, uh, Miles Cornwall and Nile Higgins in the back line. Uh, Higgins, I believe, was the one who gave up that penalty. But they 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 played okay, considering you know they they were coming into their I think both their first starts for the team. Yeah, I, I like you said, trouble finds them. But at the end of the day, if you watch that game, it's hard not to come back thinking that this team has something in there still. Right. And even if they gave up, they've given up eight penalties in 14 games. You, There's still something there for this team. And I, yeah, that, that was totally what Mista was thinking. He said he was thankful for his team, uh, his team's performance and the players that he has considering, you know, especially after, after Telfer sending off. I don't know how much we want to get into this, but how heated of a moment that was going right into halftime. He says, look, we could take this either two ways. We could keep bickering or we could go out there and keep doing exactly what we were doing. And full credit to Ottawa, they did. And, and it worked out. Yeah, what do you wanted to talk about here in this moment with Telfer? I think I'd like to concentrate on Jao Morelli because yeah. we, we, we all yeah, had that guy in class, right? When it was like some guy got in trouble and some kid was putting his hand up saying, uh, sir, sir, miss, miss, this guy's uh, causing some trouble here. And that was Morelli to a T, was it not? Like just winding people up. And then when he got in trouble, like clapping, like just... I can't say the word, but it was ultimate. Like it was just, you know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> yeah. Oh right? yeah. 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 Charlie, well, help me out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 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 Morelli has always had a little bit of that streak in him in the CPL. He's always been, you know, that that player that is gonna get under your skin and then he's probably gonna score on you as well. So you're even more frustrated. Which he did. Right? And, yeah. and I, I don't think he's maybe on the level of a Jose Escalante, but uh he's he's certainly getting there and yeah, if you, if you're Ottawa, then then it's a player that you hate, and yeah. if you're Halifax, he's you know he's your favorite player yeah. because he is he is a lot of fun and he brings a lot of you know entertainment and and narrative to these. And games. I'm I'm all in for those rivals. <laughs> I, I love yeah. it. Let's let's stir it up. Why not? Right? Let's have some rivalries going on here. This is the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago when teams play each other a lot, which they are right now. Yeah. Familiarity breeds contempt. They're gonna get annoyed. They're gonna start getting mad at each other. This is not a game you're going to say, oh, well, they don't play each other anymore. They play each other twice a week, twice a season. They're going to be playing each other a lot, these teams. So it's fun. Um, Brady, give us a little bit of insight from Halifax's point of view here, because I think that's 10 points that they've dropped from winning positions in the last five games. So imagine where they would be. Let's actually not imagine. Let's tell people uh, where they would be. If they held on to those 10 points, and it's a big if, but you know you're winning the games. You can if you finish on. They would now have 24 points and would be in the playoffs. Instead, they are 14 and they're seventh. 
Brady, this is a team, as you've written many times, cannot keep winning moral victories. They need to actually have victories. And again, it was a familiar story for Stephen Hart's team, Brady. Yeah, let me let me start first by saying my Halifax sources tell me that Morelli is uh, something of a wind-up artist in, in training and in the dressing room as well. So No, I think, we never believe that. <laughs> I don't think uh, this is an exclusive scoop. Don't tell everybody. Uh, but no, I hear that's that's kind of Joao. And, and you can see Andre grabbed him by the scruff of the jersey and said, you've done your job. He's off. Let's let's get back to proceedings here. But no, I think, you know, they've just drawn three games on the road in Ontario. And, and Stephen Hart was probably, you know, the, the least happy of the two managers in all three outcomes. Right. And it's 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 it really is a difficult pill to swallow when you're when you're putting together performances where 80 to 85 minutes of the 90, you feel like you're on top and you, you got very little to take from that. Um, they have had some injuries, but. They, they have a deep squad and, and players who've, who've come in in place of the likes of Garcia and Restrepo have performed well, but it, you, you can, you mean, Steven is literally, you know, he's practicing his answers with, I feel like, you know, I've said this a million times, but we're putting in good performances, but we're not getting the results. And he's a guy who obviously has a lot of experience and this is a team that had a lot of success last year, albeit in a, in a short format, they know that they can hang with these teams. And so they're going to go back home. It's, it's a big game against Forge coming up. We'll get into that one later to, to, you know, get back to Wanderers Grounds, which is a place where they think that they're they're full marks for three points every time they play there. So it has the potential to be a turnaround, but I, it's it's three points on a three game road trip. But I just don't see them being very satisfied with that. Yeah, I mentioned those five games where they've just handed those points. Lowell Wright scored that 90th minute winner, uh, you know, at the Wanderers Grounds. Um, that you know, Brian Wright got that 87th minute winner in the Ottawa home opener. You know, Awura got that 96th minute equalizer. And then this was late again, you know, pretty late in the game, you know, when Oxner comes out. Marty said it was tough, you know, in the referee. I think it was on the line. It's a difficult decision. But for me, it was yeah. probably just borderline penalty. Uh, yeah. So they're handing games. You know, they got to be better and see it out. And I know Stephen Hart were the first to tell us that. Uh, we'll get into some of those games coming up midweek. The second of the games on the triple header on Sunday was another classic game. Uh, Al Classico, indeed. Uh, Calvary 2, FC Edmonton 2. Brady, you're our correspondent on this. Come on, match of the week. I was on one soccer for this game. And it lived up to its hype. Uh, Edmonton changed shape, had a lot of players out, made four changes. Wachewski didn't get to, uh, didn't go on the trip and somehow got a point out of this and almost got three if it wasn't for Joe Mason scoring late to get the equalizer, Brady. Just a great game of football. Yeah, really, really entertaining game. Obviously, Cavalry enjoyed a lot more of the ball than Edmonton did, but based on what Alan Koch said to us and based on their shape, that was kind of by design and they get that early goal and, and they sit back a little bit deeper or maybe they invite Cavalry in a little bit more than they would have wanted and probably the last team in the league you want to do that with and obviously they get punished and but very much against the run of play somehow they find a second goal and then just as you think it's not going to be Cavalry's afternoon they had so many chances I know Novak had a big chance Joe Joe D almost picked up a second one he almost had the brace after getting his first and then it just yeah it looked like a game where Edmonton was going to steal their would have been their first ever El Clasico win I believe right yeah but, that's like Tommy said, you know, you bring Joe Mason in, this guy's a sniper. He gets literally a half yard in the uh, inside of the 18 and all of a sudden, boom, it's in the back of the net. And he really is that it's a cliche, but he really is that Fox in the box player, right? He, he just lives on the shoulder. He, he looks like he's, he's, he's always going to threaten. And then, and he has like moments where you don't really notice him because he's not the flashiest player, but with regards to, you know, finishing, he's, He's got to be one of the one of the top players in this league and now scored four goals in his last three games. So he's really showing that. 
yeah, just a pure finisher and has the ability mm. to get points when the team needs him the most. And that's what, be- you know, the perfect number nines are. On social media and on this show, our very own Charlie O'Connor Clark just driving the Joe Mason hype bus. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's got a smile on his face. Look, he's like a proud dad out there, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's like like four or five years older than me, but um, yeah. It's an irrelevant detail. I'm just, I'm just really glad that Joe Mason is as good as we hoped he would be. Right. And he think he, he is clearly the player with that kind of quality. And you can see that he has, you know, seen football at, at very high levels and he understands the game quite well. And, you know, I think Brady said it perfectly. He just, he doesn't need a lot of space to completely change the game with, you know, one, two, three touches of the ball and it's, it's in the net. So yeah, I, th- I think cavalry really just continue to, find players that you know take a little bit they get up to speed and then all of a sudden they're incredible and i I don't know how many times this club can keep doing that but uh it really is remarkable to see and and, you know they're going to be a fun team to watch down the rest of the season so much to like about them uh my colleague on one soccer gareth wheeler brought up a good point if you were to be semi-critical about them is it fair to say they are not scoring enough compared to the amount of chances and how many times they are taking over games Marty, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I mean, all you need to do is look at how that game played out yesterday on Sunday, right? We, we talked about the dominance that we saw. I know you guys highlighted Mo Farsi quite a bit on the broadcast, and he was great. But Terrific. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like they needed that. They needed a Joe Mason who they, you know, frankly, at the start of the preseason, I'm sure Tommy Wilden Jr. had no idea he was going to sign someone of that quality right so i think at the end of the day that is that is the crucial part and that's really what separates them from the likes of pacific and forge yeah i mean with joe mason's resume it, was, it always looked pretty good to your mm-hmm. points charlie and my uh, i guess the genuine concern was like is this guy having like 10 packs of walkers crisps and 18 bodies every night that was the only difference right like that's how he drops off a glass how players like that drop off a cliff right yeah. like but thankfully he's sharp he's fit he looks great and um i think there's some other north american teams in the slightly higher league that would could take a joe mason right now even that plays in canada in red maybe just an example um uh, <laughs> who but, could that be <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of the penalty because i said on La- on one soccer that i didn't think it was a penalty um, Edmonton got what the you know got a goal, but for me, when a player like Escalante goes in to defend a chance like that and slides, the ball just hits his arm, was awarded the spot. I know the handball rule is so all over the place, Benedict, but I mean, what did you think of it? Yeah, I don't think that's a penalty personally. I think if you're if you're doing a slide tackle to try and get the ball, your your arm's naturally in that position. Also, when the ball was kicked, he was what a yard from him, maybe like he had no chance to move his hand out of the way. And and to me, those two. Reasons are why it should not have been a penalty. Okay, so I wasn't alone on that. Anybody thought it was a penalty or were good with it? No, no. Marty's kind of uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Hey, at least the Eddie. Hey, at least the Eddie's got a point, right? Marty, yeah. that was the can, big thing for them. Can we just talk about how? Like, I just I feel so bad for FC Edmonton at this tie. Like you, like you touched on Brady. They haven't won, yeah, ever. And like you, you see, you're watching that game, and you're like, this is like, there looks like they're going to hold on, and of course they didn't. I just, I genuinely just feel so bad because again, Edmonton led against Cavalry at Spruce Meadows earlier this season. I remember when East Garo scored early, and that was kind of one of those moments where you're thinking they could finally do it. It just, 
it just doesn't seem to be falling for this team, especially against Calgary at the at the minute. I agree. And to lose a game, lose a goal like that feels like a loss, right? An 89th yeah. minute. But but when you put it all down, like Wojcicki didn't play, Didich was suspended. Yeah. You know, they, they had two guys playing in midfield a lot this season who end up playing at centre-back in Surrey and Gorski. Like, they've got a lot of things against them right now. And I think Alan Koch is trying to maximise everything he can to get out of that. And I think it's a decent point. Although, you know, you know, I know everybody's aiming to get in the playoffs. I think Edmonton are very, un- you know, they'll never say this publicly. They understand that that top four is going to be very difficult for them. And it's about making progression going forward. We'll get into that a little bit in a minute because they play Calvary midweek. Let's go to the last game. Pacific three, Valor two, a five goal thriller following on two four goal thrillers early in the day. And another fast start for Parmadou Cars men. Marty, are you on this one? Three goals inside the first 35 minutes. It felt the momentum from midweek against Pacific was there, to- against the Whitecaps was there to be seen for Pacific. That was still really the story coming into this game was, you know, how do you harness that momentum was what was what Alessandro Hojapapur said after the game. And they did. They had three goals within the first 35 minutes. Uh, they did concede one against Valor. But, you know, they 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 really have come out of the blocks, uh, come out of the blocks here again in another game in the league. And and I was talking to Palma Dukoff the game. I asked straight up, is this the best the Pacific attack has ever played? Because if you look at the players that have come in, that came in for that game, rather you had Victor Blasco, who was who was great on the wing. Taron Campbell, I know you want to talk about him specifically, Christian. He was mm. fantastic on the other wing. Diaz coming in, you know they they you know they had that bit of that rotation and 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 they they thrived. And what Cost said was, yes, this is the best their attack has ever played because we're still without Marco Bustos. We don't right. even need Marco Bustos at this point. We scored three goals in the first 35 minutes, and so then could you know he's you know to t- to cause credit, he wasn't too happy with the game management at the end. But they gave themselves such a good lead against this strong Valor side. He's been playing great offensively as well. I might add, backline was great for Pacific, uh, and then obviously Pacific now with with what two back to back wins in the in the week, and they've got seven mm-hmm. goals. Solid. Right. Yeah. Flying. Great to see. You mentioned Hadrab Report. Again, a tremendous performance. He's in the team of the week this week. I thought Raph Oheen played really well as well yeah. in a losing effort for, for Valor. Just, a, again, a typical Oheen performance. Terran Campbell is an interesting player to talk about here because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the I think the hype was real coming in. We were hoping he'd take another step this year. Only started three games of the first 10, was in and out of the team in the bubble. Now, almost, I think, what is it, five of the last six is started. It's just a, become a difference maker, a real difference maker all of a sudden, Benedict, for a team. As you said, there's, we've said it's got a tremendous amount of attacking pieces. We talk about Cavalry, we talk about Forge. Campbell looks like the player that has got a lot of confidence right now in this team. Yeah, yeah you say he's confident, and he's sort of been giving this chance with Marco Bustos out, and he's, I think he's running with it on that right side as well. And uh, he seems to be looking up well with, with Diaz in the middle and, and whoever's on, on the uh, right back behind him, usually Caden Chung. Um, he, he's linking up well with everyone, and I think Pacific, we're seeing now with them, they can just sort of bring players in and out regularly, and, and they all have that same sort of, sort of chemistry with one another. Charlie, what do you think of Campbell? Obviously, his evolution over the last couple of seasons, he was obviously delighted to get his penalty against the Whitecaps yeah. as well. Yeah, I think he's a player that's actually added a lot to his toolbox since that first year, because in that first season, you know, he scored a lot of goals, and he was a very impressive player, but he was, you know, out and out kind of usually that center forward. He'd be kind of the target man in the box. And he was very good at holding up play and then looking for those finishes. But I think he's he's actually grown a lot as a player, even if, you know, last year, I know at the Island Games, he didn't get his goal till that final match of the season. But, you know, Pamadou Ka was very happy with him and the things that he was doing just 
off the ball is the little runs that he would make sometimes because he's a player that you really need to keep track of if you're a defender because he can just be so deadly if you do give him that little bit of space. But I think just especially this season a little bit, we're seeing a lot more a lot more different sides to Taron Campbell. He's, he's, I think, a little bit fitter now. He's he's running all over the place, and he loves just making these passes, and he can be quite a creative player. And obviously, as we also know, he's got a great strike on him, and he can finish these chances very well. So I think he's becoming you know, a much more versatile player for Pacific, and they can plug him into any of these positions that they need him to. Yeah, it looks like a player for me. The Pacific needs to probably lock up long-term here. It will be interesting to see whether they can get him uh, on a long-term contract. Uh, final word on this one from Bala. Uh, what went wrong here, Marty? Again, they're conceding a bit more goals on the road than Rob Gale would like. Still a lot to like about the games, but and they're still in a playoff spot. But overall, your thoughts on the opposition here for them for Pacific? Gale was pretty quick to to talk about the the, the lack of finishing ability in this game. Kevin Alleman had that had that nice sitter that Austin Ritchie set up for him. Yeah. Uh, that was that was definitely part of it. But you know, the other part was there were some pretty significant giveaways that this team gave, and in, 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 in especially. Um, in the middle and in, in getting closer to the attacking third. And Gail just sort of attributed that to the sticky pitch, just players getting the ball stuck underneath them. Moses Dyer, you know, was chief among them in that uh, in that first goal. Um, but I think overall, you know, the, the team played okay. I won't spare a thought for Austin Ritchie as well, scoring, jumping on the ad boards, really uh, getting, getting into the Starlight Stadium fan base, which was amazing. Um, this guy's got seven goals uh, in 14 games, you know, this is a this is a pace that he would set, you know, the the the, the golden boot, or he would he would score more goals than Tristan Borges did in the first season. You know, right. I think more people need to be talking about this player, even as you know, Valor was was very much waning in, in the start of that second half. He was still a spark plug. He was still active out there and and and, and combining well in the attacking third. Just more credit for him and just spare a thought for him. Yeah, it's a good point. A really, a really good point for Ricci. And obviously, at that long stretch, right, a games, a, yeah. a goals where he didn't go, get them, and then the, the the two in the Canadian Championship was massive for them to turn it around. And it looks like, by the way, their performance against Edmonton at the beginning of last week was a was a really big one for them uh, in the standings as well. I think in, in in form as well. Here is where it locks Pacific top of the league: twenty eight points from fifteen games. Forge 25 from 14, as Cavalry also 25 from 14, but a plus three goal difference. Forge with a plus nine. Valor are fourth in the final playoff spot, 22 points from 15. Only five points ahead of York with York got a game in hand, 17 points from 14, and then trailing Edmund, uh, trailing behind are Edmonton 14 from 14, Halifax 14 from 14, and Ottawa 12 from 14. In midweek, uh, these are the next five games coming up. In midweek, we got Atletico Ottawa against York, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. FC Edmonton and Cavalry meet again, 9 o'clock on Wednesday. Eastern, both games on live on One Soccer. As are next week on Friday night, we got Halifax against Forge. Saturday, Valor against Cavalry at 6.30 Eastern, followed by the come on match of the week, Edmonton against Pacific, 9 p.m. On Saturday, five games to choose from. Uh, Campiel.ca predictor. You can go there, of course, and pick your basically your choices to win those games and you can win tickets to the finals. Please go on there. Campiel.ca slash forward slash predictor. We'll help you out with that a little bit. Gentlemen, give us an idea of the game you're looking forward to the most and maybe you can predict it for me. Marty Thompson, which one of these five are you looking forward to the most here? I'm going to go Halifax and Forge. I think Halifax is going to win this one. I'll say 2-1. Nice. Benedict, what about you, my friend? I'm going to go for the Al Classico on Wednesday and I think Edmonton might finally get it. I'll say 1-0. Whoa, there you go. Maybe one of the Eddie Krugers. Yeah, that's right. I got it in. One of the Eddie Krugers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Brady Reed, what about you? 
Yeah, I hate to double up, but Halifax Forge wanders grounds, a team that really needs a win. It's been a bit of a team this season. I think Halifax has got a good shot here. They need to win it, don't they? Charlie, what about you? I'll go with Ottawa and York. Both these teams could really do with picking up a few points, and I think I think Ottawa can actually scrape it this time. Yeah, I like that. That's a good shout. But what I like about picking that game is I think it's a big game for York. As I alluded yeah. to, Valor don't play until the weekend. Then York don't play. But imagine York win that game and get to two points back on the same amount of games played, suddenly coming out of that bubble, catching Valor that quickly in three fifteen games, only two back, putting pressure on Valor this weekend against Cavalry. Uh, that could be a big game. I think York's got to go there and show a little bit like they did on the weekend. And if you can get some of the goals, they could, you know, really cause a big turnover there and get a big away win. So all eyes on York on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern in a massive game. Uh, on the eve of Canada versus Honduras, which, you, of course, will be on Thursday again. You can join us all week for content on that. We appreciate you listening to our 11. Let us know what we got wrong. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Enjoy the games, everyone. Have a good week. Thanks, boys. Speak to you soon.